Dear listener, welcome to your favorite New Life program. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Fred Billotin is on standby with the health segment today. He will talk about phobia. Thereafter, we'll be having brother Ian Mosey joining us during the Bible segment, and he will also be talking about the first and second Adam. But first, let us listen to gracious singers with the song, Jesus Lives. Welcome back to listener. It's time for the health segment. Join me as I welcome Fred Bill Otieno. Hello listener. You're tuned to the Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope for all people, coming to you wherever you are. This is a moment when we bring you another health slot for the good of your life and that of your loved one. In today's program, 
you may not have realized that phobia can be a medical condition. And thus knowing about it, thus calls for you to be sure of keeping it locked to the end of this edition. Welcome to the program. My name is Fred Billy Ocheno. You may have at one moment or another heard of or rather experienced some fear. This comes as an extreme or abnormal fear for something which can make one to avoid it. Well, such a persistent fear for an object, an activity, or a situation that makes you avoid it is what I am comfortably referring to as phobia. Much experienced phobias are those involving animals or insects. Others include a fear of high places, a fear of lightning, a fear of flying among others, and any other fear you may be having. Such phobias, however, should not be mistaken for abnormality and are much common in young children. But perhaps you may be asking yourself about the origin of this situation, or rather, this condition called phobia. Phobia stems from an actual confrontation with a feared object or situation. And quite important, it has been observed that most phobias do not interfere with their normal functioning to the point of seeking treatment. Feelings of weakness, cowardice, or loss of self-esteem may occur when avoiding the, an object of the phobia. Other symptoms may include rapid heart rate, sweating, anxiety, or discomfort. Phobia, just like any other medical condition, equally has its own risk factors or signs for the same. This may include elevated blood pressure and history of prevalence of phobia. Victims of phobia may require some treatment to help them function effectively. There are various phobia clinics in some areas to deal with phobias, such as a fear of flying. Some symptoms associated with phobia can be relieved with the aid of anti-anxiety or antidepressive medications. Also to some patients, having them relax and imagine the components of their phobia, especially from the least to the most feared, is necessary. Listener, introducing people to real-life exposure has also been used with success to help people overcome their fears. You, of course, need to understand that the success of the treatment usually depends upon severity of the phobia. That is, knowing how deep the phobia is dug and the extent to which it responds to the administered treatment. It is true that phobias tend to be chronic in many people undergoing the condition. This can be realized in many situations, but should not deter one from seeking treatment, since the condition responds to treatment. Some phobias may have consequences that affect job performance. The same as also not spare the social functioning of the phobia victims in some circumstances. A phobia victim is entitled to getting the deserved assistance from a health care provider. In case a simple phobia seems to interfere with your life's activities, then help from a mental health professional is thus necessary. For all along, phobia has no known prevention that can enable you to avoid the condition. Treatment may be helpful in reducing attacks or realization of any possible symptoms of the condition. Listener, phobia is often experienced in our day-to-day -day life and activities we do undergo in life. The situation, however, is usually neglected, perhaps due to knowledge that it may be a medical condition, 
which requires attention in bringing it under control. And that brings us to the end of our today's health segment. Having taken a look at phobia, our discussion was majorly on knowing what it is, its causes and symptoms. We also went through its risk factors and treatments in an info to help you in curbing the situation. It has been, of course, my pleasure to be with you this time. I have been your presenter, Fred Bilotino. Until next time, when we meet again for another edition, stay tuned to the station for more enlightenment. Goodbye and may God bless you. Welcome back to listener and I hope that you're enjoying the program. I'm your presenter Samuel Mangi. For your views, comments or questions about the program, kindly write to the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 42276 code 00100Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now listen to gracious singers with the song Jesus Lover of My Soul. Like me, may find a sweet refuge by God.
It is time for the Bible segment. Join me as I invite Brother Ian. Welcome, Brother. Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to our study today. The topic of our study is the first and second Adam. I am your presenter, Ian Musse. The first Adam passed on the result of his sinful experience through physical birth, weakness, sin, and death. The second Adam passed on the result of his sinless experience through spiritual birth, partaking of the divine nature, victory, and eternal life. All the effects of the first Adam's failure are completely counteracted by the second Adam. Please don't miss the point that one can join the new family only through a spiritual birth. Through faith in Christ, a new creation takes place, lifting man out of the hopeless, carnal state of the family of Adam. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 the change of families constitutes one of the least understood blessings of the Christian experience. It is not a theoretical or mystical transaction with no practical results. Just as the transformation of nature is dramatically real, so the privileges of the new family are also real. One of the hardest things for the newborn Christian to accept is the total change of position, authority and ownership under the new family arrangement. They are now eligible for all the riches and advantages of the children of God. Incredible promises are included in the new spiritual relationship. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Romans chapter 8, 16 and 17. It is easy to understand why the human mind boggles at this concept. We tend to probe for hidden reservations and secret meanings in verses like this. A joint heir is one who holds equal rights to all the family estate. We ask ourselves how it is possible to become sudden heirs of such unlimited wealth. From abject poverty, we now hold title to the universe. The holdings of God include galaxies and island universes in space. By faith, we try to grasp hold of the reality. Jesus and I share and share alike in all the spiritual riches of the Father. Whatever he gets, we also receive. Paul describes the boundless resources of the spirit-filled life in these words. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19 Who can comprehend such language? The great, loving God who made us and who gave up his only son to die for us now wants us to have everything his son has and also everything that he has. Along with the staggering assets of a king, we also actually inherit the family name and the family resemblance. We even begin to look our new father and elder brother and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 In the beginning, Adam was made in the image of God and was called a son of God. In Genesis we read, In the likeness of God made him. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness. Genesis chapter 5 verse 1 to 3 Like father, like son, Adam looked like God 
but the resemblance was lost through sin. So Adam's son did not look like God. He looked like Adam. But under the new birth, man begins to lose his Adamic features and to look like the one who created him, Jesus. Is this resemblance real or imagined? Does God create only illusions to make it seem that man is being restored to the divine image? Or does he powerfully provide for the change to take place? There is a theological debate as to whether God's righteousness is only accounted to man or whether it is truly imparted as well. Those who feel that man is only accounted righteous do not believe that he can really overcome sin and live a holy life, even in Christ. But Paul's words are clear. By the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Romans chapter 5 verse 19 Along with the family likeness, this new spiritual birth brings deliverance from the second death which was inevitable under the Adamic nature. Christ did not change the first death penalty for Adam's failure under the first probation, but he did abolish the second death for all those who received him under the second probation. This was made possible only because he submitted to suffer the horrible penalty of the second death in the place of man. He became sin for us and voluntarily accepted the punishment which sin demands. On the cross, with no ray of hope from the Father, Jesus was enveloped in the darkness of a billion lost souls. He tasted death for every man. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 Was it easy for Jesus to have such an experience? Was it easy for the Father to withdraw from his beloved Son and treat him as though he was guilty of the most atrocious blasphemy and crime? Only one man in the world has come here to understand the intense suffering of the father and the son in that situation. That man, Abraham, gave up his only son also and became the first human to share the agony of the cross. Paul wrote that the scripture, foreseen that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8. Jesus also recognized that Abraham had special revelations on the atonement. He said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. John chapter 8 verse 56 To understand how this Old Testament patriarch had such prophetic insight into the work of the Messiah, we must go back to his experience on Mount Moriah. Because he had initially failed to believe that God could give him a son from Sarah's dead womb, Abraham was subjected to another test concerning life from the dead. God told him to slay his only son Isaac on an altar. The account of the lonely journey to Mount Moriah is one of the most moving stories in the sacred word. Abraham had no doubt about the validity of the order. He was a friend of God and had learned to recognize his voice. There was no way for Abraham to comprehend the reason for this bizarre command. The promise had been confirmed repeatedly that Isaac was the seed through whom the Messiah would come. Now he was asked to take the life of that child of his old age through whom the world would be blessed and redeemed. How could the Savior come through Isaac if he was slain on the altar? By the time father and son reached the base of the mountain, Abraham's faith had resolutely claimed God's resurrection power. He said to the servants, I and the Lord will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Genesis chapter 22 verse 5. This time, there was no weak faltering over the seeming impossibility of the promise. No resurrection from the dead 
had ever occurred. But Abraham believed that God would fulfill his promise concerning Isaac's seed. As Abraham lifted the knife over his submissive son, he was meeting the most severe test ever faced by a human being. It would have been terrible enough to take his son's life. But with one stroke of the knife, he was about to destroy the only hope of salvation for himself and every person who would be born. No one except Jesus would ever hold the destiny of a world in his hand as Abraham did in that moment. It was more than the test of fatherly affection. By killing Isaac, Abraham was depriving the world of a savior. The knife was at his own throat also. God's unfailing word had assured him that no Messiah could be born without Isaac. Do you begin to see into the fiery crucible of Abraham's test? No wonder Jesus spoke of Abraham being able to see his day. Listener, now may the God of peace make you completely holy and may your spirit and soul and body be kept entirely blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I was your presenter Ian Muse, and have a blessed time. Dear listener, we have come to the end of our program. Thank you for keeping me company. For views, comments, or questions about the program, write to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00-100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through Nairobi at ek.adventist.org. Until next time, may our God keep you safe. I have been a presenter, Samuel Mangi.
Lord, forgive the dark. Oh. 